De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to be discussing the changing face of B2B marketing. Joining us is Jordan Crawford, who is the CEO at Blueprint, which helps B2B companies build go-to-market systems by pain, not persona. They download your customer's buying context, score your entire TAM by pain, and then build automated outbound email sequences that get 5 to 33% positive reply rates. Blueprint eliminates the need for your sales team to ever research a company again or figure out what to say to them. And today, Jordan and I are going to be talking about why your buyer's research process has changed. All right, here we go. Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me again, Doug. So help me set this up, right? Because normally you're my chumps, champions, and challengers guy. We, we get a category, we pull it apart. You look at the data, I look at it from a buyer's perspective. We come to conclusions, you're typically wrong, I'm typically right. It's a little change of pace for us today. We, we hit a topic that was so rich, we felt like we couldn't really kind of stuff it into the chumps, champs, and challengers category. Like, set this up for me. What's happened in the world that we would actually spend a whole week talking about this? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that this kind of topic came up because I'm working with a company called Testbox, and they are helping companies basically buy in a completely different way. So you don't have to chat with sales reps, you can try the tools yourselves. And I'm seeing this trend in the market where the buyer's experience is so bad with sellers that tools are coming up in the market to basically combat the bad buyer experience that your company is placing on your buyers. So, so this, you know, in this series of episodes, we're going to talk about what's changed. We're going to talk about why that buyer's process is changing, how you can adapt to that as a seller. What is the research toolkit? So we're going to go over these types of questions. And, you know, in this episode, I can't wait to hear from you about how you're thinking about buying at Lean Data. What is the process that your company goes through to give sellers really a better understanding and buyers too, a better understanding of how folks are buying these days and what you need to do to change your behavior. So the hypothesis here is that we're creating a vicious cycle for ourselves as marketers and sellers and that overall the experience we're creating is so poor that the buyers, if you will, are retreating behind tool sets. And they're retreating behind information that they have, and they're less willing to engage. So I think maybe let's sort of start with some of the stuff that's causing this. This always helps me, right? Like foundationally, what's causing a change in the marketplace? So I'm going to start firing away, Jordan. You let me know if you agree or disagree. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. My first thing is that I feel like there's an overwhelming level of choice going on for your average B2B buyer. And I'm going to quote our good friend, Scott Brinker. He first did his first MarTech landscape 2011. And at that point, there were 150 MarTech tools. I'm going to call those RevTech tools. There were 150 tools that he evaluated in his landscape. 
I think he gave up in 2020 because at that point there were 8,000. I can't find anything else. I'm pretty sure Scott was like, I'm done. Like, what's the point of evaluating? But between 2011 and 2020, it went from 150 to 8,000 applications. So I think there's overwhelming choice that's out there for folks. And I think it's confusing. It's hard to navigate. Yeah, I mean, even if you think about the VC landscape and how much free money there was and how cheap money used to be, you know, in the sans three months ago. And even if you look at chat tools, right? It used to be that Drift was your, if you were a big enterprise, you'd use Drift. That's the go-to, your, all your peers are using Drift. And now there's over 300 different chat tools. And so the, the choice is just absolutely overwhelming. And unfortunately, Doug, I think the other piece to consider here is that sales reps aren't trained in the challenger sale and gap selling. They're not trained on your market. They're not trained on why your customers buy. So it's a race to the bottom of the attention ladder. And that just doesn't add any value to anyone. So of course, buyers are like, oh, okay. Like I happen to be in a buying process for a chat tool. I spend 10 seconds on G2. Boom, six cents is like, go get Jordan. Everyone that sells a chat tool, go find him, go harass him. And there's no really value in that. And we're telling, not only are we telling our sellers to do that, we're incentivizing them to do it. It's like, you are only as good as the revenue that you've closed this month. And your value to me resets next month. Who cares about the buyer experience? Jordan, I think you make a really valid point. And I feel like another thing we're not really peeling back quite as well, because what you're really talking about is there's aggressive prospecting tactics that are out there that are driving people to hide. I said this before, right? Super aggressive. Yeah, super aggressive. Yeah. And in many ways, creepy, right? So what are folks going to do? I got to throw some other stuff out there, because again, as, as a marketer, we run into this stuff all the time. But I also would say like we're getting to the point where there are buyers out there that have been burned by application turnover. Meaning I championed a tool, I brought the tool in, the tool didn't work, and now my ass is on the street, right? So we're, we're starting to see that one thing that went away for a while with SaaS applications and in the RevTech stack was there were just so many choices and it was so easy and quick to install that, you know, the career risk was pretty low. You're adding four, five, six tools a year, if you will. Some tool doesn't work, it's fine. I did have a question about that because like as a buyer, Doug, yourself, is there a nobody gets fired for buying IBM type of thing that exists in the tools that you buy now? Like, it, like, do you think, well, okay, Drift is X price, but Intercom is way cheaper at Y price, but maybe they're less known or something. Do you evaluate tools like that based on your career risk and their reputation in the market? It like sort of a little bit disconnected with cost. I think the analogy, the current analogy, the closest we have to IBM, and if folks don't know what the heck Jordan and I are talking about. <laughs> it's a 1980s reference there. So, for our... <laughs> Yeah, it's a little antiquated, but at one point in time, IBM was not just a giant consulting shop. It actually sold stuff. It sold hardware <laughs> and it sold vast systems to companies sort of pre-Cisco days when that was Cisco's job, right? And you know, the saying was, you won't get fired for buying blue, which is IBM, right? So in other words, they were such, the products were so reliable, the services were so good that, you know, if you chose IBM, even if they were the inferior product, guess what? You weren't going to get fired. So the closest I can come to that now is Salesforce. And again, I will say Lean Data is a Salesforce native app. This is not me being biased because of the company I work for, but it is sort of the safest choice out there because it's generally accepted. I'd say HubSpot's starting to creep in there a little bit. But then after that used to be Marketo, right? Oh, yeah. Now Marketo's like, you know, if it's like, what are you doing? Right. Exactly. <laughs> 1990 called. They want their automation back. <laughs> Sorry for anybody that works at Adobe slash Marketo. <laughs> Sorry, Marketo. 
Okay, so look, yes, I think there's very few. And I, I think some of the other things I point to here, Jordan, is that I also think that buyer expectations have changed, right? They now have this wealth of information. We're going to talk about this tomorrow. We're going to talk about like, how are they evaluating stuff? But they have a wealth of information. And in some cases, I would actually argue they're showing up with more better information than the people that are selling to them. Yes, this is exactly right. I mean, I had a conversation with a brand new SDR at a company. She was like three to four months in. And I said, oh, well, like, tell me why, like, why your customers buy? What problem are you solving? She's like, oh, the AEs do that. I was like, are you insane? They didn't tell you you're three months in and you don't know why your customers buy and your company thought it was appropriate to put you in front of their buyers and not educate you? Are you, What is going on? So before we slam all SDRs and before we slam the processes, that's sort of your job, Jordan, right? My job is to put them in a giant hug, right? Because <laughs> yeah. my job is to nurture them to be better. <laughs> it's not the SDRs. This is this is the sellers. This is this is us. Like I like this is a mirror problem, right? It's not the people that are green in their careers that are asked to do this. It's that we set up systems that they're not designed for the buyer. And weirdly, they're not even designed well for the seller, for for the SDR, the poor SDR that has to make those calls. It's like it's a game of attention. And that game is no longer working, which is, or, you know, it's starting to work a lot less, you know, because everyone is demanding attention. So I think that's kind of what we're talking about. Let me push back on one of the suppositions there, because I, I would tell you that I put this idea out there, of course, right, that quite often the buyers have more genuine knowledge of the product, or at least the category than the sellers do. And I think your point is a valid one, which is quite often we're not arming those folks to actually be competent in that process. But I would also say, like, that's the norm, yeah. meaning the buyers are buying. So we talked about the explosion of the RevTech stack. Scott Brinker, we went from four to 20 million, right? We, we have this huge explosion going on. Well, what does that mean? That means the buyers quite often have actually purchased five, 10, 15 different applications and installed them. And the sellers, by the way, they haven't sold that many products. In other words, the relative tenure of the buyers versus the relative tenure of the sellers is really out of alignment. So you have highly empowered buyers, you have highly empowered buyers. And, and I got to pull some more stats out because that's what I do. I'm a marketing guy. So can I throw some more stats by you, Jordan? Yeah, sure. I, I guess I'll take it. <laughs> okay, here we go. Ready? So this is being reflected. This whole conversation we're having is easy enough to have, but let's check out the data. What we're experiencing, what we're talking about is reflected in data. Okay, here we go. Ready? You want to start with Google? Yeah, yeah. Let's go Google. According to Google, 57% of the purchasing process is complete before a buyer ever talks to a salesperson. That's the most friendly stat. You ready for something a little bit more egregious? Wow. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> As a seller, that sucks. That sucks. <laughs> You're like, there's like less than a that's less than 50-50. You know, it's, you can't hire a monkey to flip a coin now. It's like <laughs> you got less of a chance. No, no, right. Everything we just talked about, Jordan, was blah, blah up until this number, right? So ready? Okay, let's let's bring up the heat a little bit. What would you say, Gartner, what would Gartner say? How much of the sales process is actually occurring before a seller ever gets involved? Care to guess? I think 80%. You looked cheater. It's 83%. I didn't look, I didn't, look at the, 83%. Look at, the, look at the, on the podcast. Look at these hands. I'm not Googling. <laughs> okay, Forrester has the most extreme. And there's a range for Forrester. I'll admit the bottom at a 70%. But effectively, they're saying up to 90% of the selling process is done, of the buying process is done before anybody shows up. Right. So it's not just us going, hey, guys, guess what? There's more applications. There's more choice. There's more career risk. The selling process is bad. 
the data is showing us that this is a problem for sellers. This is a problem for marketers, something I think we need to take seriously. Do those stats surprise you at all, Jordan? No, because this is a grave that we happily dug and we hired a bunch of SDRs to dig it. So what we said is that, and this is the growth of PLG, Doug. It's like, oh, what's better? Someone like landing in your product without any context about the problem it solves with like all these bells and whistles or having to get on the phone with a sales rep that is going to give you a call every 20 minutes until you make a decision. Like somehow, if I can just call Jordan enough, he will make a decision. And I don't want to do that. So we give these hobbled experiences to buyers that like, it's probably not the best thing for them to do to be able to just like try to navigate their problem and your solution by themselves in a sort of a PLG motion. But that is the response to anything, anything so that you guys do not harass me. I have my own internal buying process. I know my timelines. Why are you doing this to me? If you have a PLG motion, it is a relief because you see it and you're like, thank God I don't have to sit on a demo. And it becomes an avenue for disruption, I think, for, for companies that aren't investing that, but only because we've set up this really bad buying experience with sellers. Okay, well, later in the week, we're going to tackle how we as sellers, how we as marketers, and ultimately how we as product leaders can counter this challenge. I think PLG is a good example of organizations maybe unintentionally creating a better model but one that's potentially a counter-attack to a lot of the problems we just talked about. All right, Jordan, I think people's heads are exploding. I think we need to move on. I think we need to come back tomorrow and talk about what are the tools that buyers now have at their disposal. And I think we're going to learn some surprising stuff. There are some tools out there that folks have not probably heard of that are going to be omnipresent and very difficult for you. I'm going to lay some hints out there. Vendor, good example of one of those tools that's going to start causing problems for you. Well, thanks for having me, Doug. Looking forward to the next episode. And thank you for the argument, Jordan. Always enjoy it. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Jordan Crawford, CEO at Blueprint, for joining us today. And part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Jordan and I are going to dig in and discuss where do B2B buyers go to evaluate SaaS. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Jordan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company website at blueprintgtm.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at revgenpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is marketadvocate.com. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself. 